What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Allison Britton on today's episode. I am so excited to get to know a little bit more about her and her story. Allison, I'm just going to toss it at you. Start wherever you would like. All right. Hi, Shelly. I would like to first start off and say like how grateful I am that you exist and this podcast exists. Um, You're an absolute blessing um, for all the men and women who have been through this before. Um, I guess I'll just start where everyone else starts. Um, My husband and I, we've been together for over 10 years. Um, We met when I was 20 and he was 21. Um, We've lived quite a lot of life together um, all throughout our 20s, Um, college, moving, Um, all sorts of things. Uh, We always wanted kids. Um, Ever since we were young, we would have conversations that we wanted to have a family. Pretty much, we were always on the same page. Um, And we waited a while, obviously, (laughs) um, before we began to try. Um, We wanted to get through college. He wanted to get through college. We wanted to get to a place where we felt really ready. Um, I definitely worked on my career a lot um, before wanting to begin that chapter of my life. Um, We actually got married last year, 2019, in October. Um, We actually just celebrated our one year anniversary this week. (laughs) So that's been exciting. Um, We, because of that, we, uh, I was tracking my cycles really closely because I am very type A and (laughs) didn't want to have, be on my period during my wedding. So I began tracking my cycles really religiously from about, I want to say, February all the way down to October in 2019. So I got really familiar with how many days in my cycle, when I ovulated, um, when I could expect to start my period. And uh, we had decided that we wanted to start having, trying for children right when we got married because uh, we had waited so long. um, Not necessarily like that we wanted felt would feel like it was wrong if we had children before we got married. It was more, I didn't want to plan a wedding while pregnant. (laughs) Um, So we began trying right away. Um, We tried in October, things didn't really match up in October to based on when we started trying, it definitely missed my window. We tried in November. And 
I'm pretty sure I had a chemical pregnancy in November, but I never confirmed it with a positive test. Um, I felt really weird, like I'd never felt before, before starting my period. And um, when it did happen, it was a lot heavier than normal. But because I never got that test and I never got my hopes up completely, it was, I was just like, okay, we're going to try again next month. Like it was a little concerning because growing up, my parents were, you know, we talked about everything and they were always like, well, um, you know, when we had you and your sister, we got pregnant right away. Like you never know, um, you're not going to have any trouble. Um, you guys aren't going to have any trouble conceiving. You're young, blah, blah, blah. All of the trite things people always say. Um, so, but I always in the back of my mind didn't necessarily know that, like, I understood that's not how things always happened. Um, <clears throat> but it's hard not to get your hopes up, as you know. Um, every month you try, even though we didn't try for super long. So, we tried for November, that didn't work out. Um, we tried again, was more like paying attention to the window when we're supposed to do things. And um, actually, I was fell pregnant in December of 2019. Um, I remember exactly the day it happened. It was one of my best friend's birthdays and it would like it fell right on the morning where they recommended for you to test um, because it wasn't too early or too late and uh, by that point I had purchased probably 50 little pea sticks from Amazon <laughs> because I knew I wanted to be testing quite a bit um, was already like pretty obsessive about it so that morning my husband he had already left for work. He leaves for work super early in the morning, like five o'clock. So um, I wanted to test before work. I want to say it was like a Friday. Um, so I got up, I did the whole peeing on the stick and it was positive. <laughs> I just about shit my pants. Um, <laughs> and I had, of course, to take a few more just to make sure that it was indeed positive. Um, and by this point, like my two best friends and my sister had both, like everyone knew we were trying. We didn't keep it a secret. Um, you know, we just got married. Everyone knew what was next and what we were planning to do. Um, they knew I was going to test that morning. So I ended up texting my best friend who it was her birthday, um, told her, sent her a picture of the three tests lined up and I'm like, am I insane? Is this really happening? And she's like, yeah, yeah, you're pregnant. I can't believe it. Like what a great birthday present. Um, it was the 20th of December. So it was only a few days before Christmas. Um, so I had to go to work and I didn't want to tell my husband over the phone or over text message and he'd already left for work. So it was killing me all day. I didn't tell him. <laughs> I think I ended up texting my other best friend, letting her know and trying to come up with a cute way to tell him that I was pregnant because this is like my one chance to really surprise him. 
So I made up some story why I had to go to Target on the way home from work. And he was being totally, completely pestering me about why I needed to go to Target. And I'm like, just let me go to Target. So on the way home from work, I swung by Target and I got like these cute little white knit baby booties. Um, and at my work, there's, I will oftentimes bring him home like a random surprise from the like community snack table or um, like donation table in our break room. So I kind of made up a story like, hey, like I'm bringing you home a little something. It's not a big deal because this was something I would typically do, bring him home like some snacks or like a t-shirt or whatever it is. Um, So I got a little paper bag and put the test, the positive test in the little slipper, baby slipper. Um, And when I got home, I was like, hey, babe, like, I brought you home a little surprise and I handed him the bag and he pulled it out and he did, he took him a minute (laughs) to understand what was going on. And when he realized and he saw the test, he just started crying. Um, So we had that moment of just, we were so excited and he was so happy. And he's like, I'm going to be a dad. He was sobbing. (laughs) It was really sweet. Um, I was so scared, uh, but also super excited. Like it worked, it actually worked. We're going to be parents. Um, And because it was so close to Christmas, I instantly was like, how am I not going to drink (laughs) during all of these family gatherings that we're going to be having? Um, And because it was my best friend's birthday that day, we were throwing her a party the following day. Um, and I'm one of those people who I like to have a lot of fun and (laughs) it would be very bizarre if I was not drinking at any sort of party or function. So I actually had her cover for me and pretend to pour me drinks all night that were (laughs) non-alcoholic mixed drinks. Um, so that worked well. I didn't want to blow any sort of surprise we had decided, even though it was really early, to tell my family, because my family lives in town, my husband's family lives further away, we don't always get together with them on the holidays, Um, but we wanted to tell my family at our upcoming Christmas get-togethers, and I wanted to do it in a cute way, so I didn't want to blow any surprises. Um, So a couple days later, was Christmas and for my mom I told her it was my sister's idea it was actually very touching she um she kept a bracelet that my grandmother had had after she had passed away that had grandma in a bunch of different languages on it and I think my mom forgot about the bracelet but I wrapped it up and gave it to her and my mom didn't understand it at first and then she realized that she's going to be a grandma. So that was a really nice moment that we had with her. Um, And then my dad, I made him a card saying like something along the lines of like, you're going to be a grandpa. And that's how I told the other side of my family. And so at least we had those moments uh, of like the initial, we're pregnant, you know, we're going to be parents. So that was fantastic. 
it was really early looking back. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. Of course, you can't always prepare for the worst. I always knew what miscarriage was. My mom was really open with us growing up and let us know that she had a miscarriage between me and my sister. And that was part of why we were further apart in age. Um, so I always knew it was a possibility. I knew that it not ran in my family, but it was, you know, something if, you know, if it's a genetic thing that it's possible, um, for whatever reason that miscarriages do happen. Um, <clears throat> but for some reason, you know, of course, you naively think it'll never happen to me. Um, but I still was very anxious for whatever reason, like deep in my gut that this wasn't going to work out for some reason, but trudged on, told everyone, um, very glad we did at that point. Um, I just remember those early days going into the office. I was so exhausted um, from about the moment I got the positive test. I was very fatigued. Um, the nausea, it all happened so quick. My symptoms were strong. And I was like, how am I going to get through nine months of this? <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know how I can function. But I powered through. Um, we had our typical, I think at that time before COVID, we, we, I didn't go into the office. I remember having to call and let them know I was pregnant, set up an appointment, get an OB. Um, <clears throat> my first appointment was around eight weeks. And my husband was able to go with me. It was probably the last time he was ever able to go to a doctor's appointment with me. Um, it was my eight-week appointment, and I had an ultrasound, and we saw our little nugget. We saw the heartbeat. There was no issue. Um, you know, they gave us our due date, which was August 30th. Yeah, August 30th. Um, super excited. Uh, we we're gonna have possibly a little Virgo baby, <laughs> very into astrology, um, <clears throat> was super over the moon. Um, I couldn't shake this feeling that maybe something was wrong. Um, so one of the super nice triage nurses was talking to her one day and uh, like how nervous I was, even though I did see the heartbeat, she's like, well, you know, let's take, let's test your H, um, I think it's HCG levels just you know to give you some comfort because that with the heartbeat like there's no there's no way anything is going to be wrong um you know if you have those two things the chances of anything happening to your baby are so slim i'm like okay um <clears throat> and also at that appointment we had a conversation about um getting genetic testing done and i understood I'd done my research, like the reasons you would get the testing done, the reasons you wouldn't. Um, and we had decided that we wanted to do the genetic testing at 10 weeks <clears throat> just to know what was going on with the baby um, as much as we could because we were prepared if there was something like tremendously wrong and was going to make the baby suffer. We didn't want to bring life into the world that would 
possibly suffer too badly, um, <clears throat> which I know not everyone's viewpoint that was just happened to be ours. And, you know, whatever decision that we did make, we just wanted to be prepared. Um, we were, you know, of course, finding out the sex of the baby is a bonus, <laughs> but we were prepared to do that. Um, but I did go get my HCG drawn. And I believe that week where I was eight weeks, it was like 50,000. Um, so the nurse was like, this is fantastic. Like everything is right where you should be for your gestational age. And that really kind of put me at ease. <clears throat> and uh, that week actually that I had my ultrasound, it was a Friday at work. And I began to very faintly lightly spot at about like one in the afternoon. Um, I was on all of the like what to expect chat boards <laughs> and reading way too much because I love to learn and read and know what's going on with my body. So I, you know, texted my husband. I'm like, hey, like spotting a little bit, but I, I'm not cramping. Um, maybe it's implantation spotting. Like I'm not worried about it. So I went through the rest of my work day and I slowly started to feel like very light period light cramps, um, which was beginning to concern me. So I just kind of like focused at work, came home. <clears throat> and I remember around five or six o'clock that night, um, the bleeding began to pick up and to the point where it was like a light period and I lost my marbles. <laughs> Um, they had given me a number for an after hours triage nurse line. Of course, this was happening on a Friday night. Um, so I called, <clears throat> left a message with the doctor. I couldn't get a hold of someone right away. It was very clear, like, hey, I am eight weeks, nine weeks pregnant. Um, I believe I became like nine weeks pregnant that Saturday. Um, I'm pregnant and I'm bleeding. Like, what do I do? Please call me back. Um, I was on hold for four hours. It was horrible. I kept calling back every hour. Hey, I'm pregnant and I'm bleeding. And they'd be like, I'm so sorry. We're experiencing a lot of calls tonight. It's a crazy night. Yada, yada, yada. I'm like, I just need you to tell me what to do. Do I go to the emergency room? Do I go to urgent care? Like what is happening? It's a Friday night. Eventually got through to someone. I think it was like a nurse and incredibly unhelpful. She just, I told her I was bleeding. She asked me about my symptoms and she's like, just go to the ER. I'm like, at this point, I want to say it was like 10 PM. So we drive to the emergency room. I put a pad on by this point, it, the bleeding was significant enough. I was freaking out. Um, and I didn't want to think I knew what was happening, but deep down, pretty sure I knew it was like that this was a miscarriage or something was dreadfully wrong. Um, the only thing was giving me hope was my high number, um, my HCG number and the fact that we had already seen the baby just that week and the heartbeat, I think it was just a couple days before. Um, <clears throat> so I got there and they saw me pretty quickly. I got my blood drawn um, and 
course it takes forever <laughs> you're sitting in there um just waiting around um they eventually called me back for an ultrasound and they didn't find anything abnormal um i couldn't see the screen but my husband did he's like the baby was on there it was moving around um i was still bleeding and cramping pretty badly at this point um and then they sent me back to the waiting room we waited for a bit and then finally i want to say it was like midnight or 1 a.m we were able to speak with a doctor um and he explained to us that my hcg levels were 52,000, um which was a little bit higher than the 50,000, but it had been a few days and i understood that the numbers should be a lot higher at that point um and he also let us know that i had a subchorionic bleed i think it's called um where there was a little bit of bleeding where the baby and the placenta had attached to the uterine wall um he's like i can't tell you you're having a miscarriage i've never necessarily seen results like this before and i'm like of course <laughs> Um, he's like, I can't tell you you're having a miscarriage, but I can't say that you're not. Um, and my husband, he was so positive. He was so great. He's like, you know, we're, we're going to be okay. Um, like I saw the baby, the baby was just like bouncing around. Um, your numbers are good. But the thing that I understood that this was the end was my number. Um, I knew 52,000 was not good, regardless of what he was saying or the doctor was saying. Um, that, you know, that number was falling um, as far as I was concerned. Um, and because I'm blood type O negative, I had to get the Rogam shot, <laughs> which was extremely painful. And I found out later that the nurse who gave me the shot didn't administer it correctly they're supposed to give it to you kind of more in your hip thigh area and they gave it to me in the back of my arm um and i hate shots <laughs> so i remember the nurse telling me like this is a really big needle this is gonna hurt and thinking why in the world are you telling me this but um i ended up getting my rogam shot that night um just because, um, and I'm sure everyone listening to this understands that, or maybe not, I can assume, um, when, your own when your blood type is negative, you need to have a special shot anytime you bleed during pregnancy, so your blood doesn't attack your next pregnancy. Um, I've gotten many of those <laughs> shots over this, uh, you know, journey of <laughs> trying to bring a child into the world. Um, so that was my first one. So we went home, um, tried to get some sleep that night. It was absolutely exhausted, so stressed out, crying. Um, I was still in considerably a considerable amount of pain, and I couldn't really take anything because I was pregnant. Um, so I think I slept a few hours after we had gotten home and woke up in the morning my cramping was pretty bad. Um, there was really nothing I could do about it. I got up, went to the kitchen, um, got myself a small cup, my, my very small puny cup of coffee. I allowed myself every morning um, 
and I sat at the kitchen table, sipped my coffee, was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do today um, to keep my mind off of things. And I felt an overwhelming urge, like I needed to go to the bathroom immediately. Um, so I got up and I went to the bathroom and I had been wearing a pad that night um, to, to catch the bleeding and go into the bathroom, pull my pants down, and there was a baby on my pad. <laughs> it was the wildest thing, and I still can remember to this day. I'm actually sitting exactly where I was sitting that morning. I was drinking my coffee. I remember to this day the exact pajama pants I was wearing. I remember I could tell you exactly what my baby looked like. It was horrifying. Um, I was nine weeks along at that point, which um, wasn't typically like terribly late in the pregnancy and it wasn't super duper early either. And my baby looked exactly like a baby and exactly how it looked on all of those apps that tell you how big your baby is this week and does it have toes and all of these things It had perfect toes and fingers and everything was there. Um, it was very clear what it was. <laughs> it was, there's no question. And I cannot believe how it just was right there. Um, it was very graphic. So I remember just being frozen and taking the pad out of my underwear. I was sitting on the toilet and I set it on next to the sink and I called my husband in. I don't think he had woken up yet. And he'd come into the room and I was like, Are, it's, it's over. And he looked and I made him look at the pad and he lost it too. He's like, there, there were fingers and toes. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's our baby. Um, it's over. And after that point, the pain of my body passing what was left from the pregnancy was horrendously painful. At that point, it really ramped up. I would imagine that's what early pregnancy contractions feel like. It was not a heavy period. <laughs> I hate that. Um, absolutely nothing like a period. Um, I was in excruciating pain. My body was very quickly passing a, a large amount of blood and clots to the point where I wasn't sure if I was dying. Um, by that point, you know, there, there was a lot to pass. Um, I called my mom. <laughs> um, I knew she would understand what I was going through. Um, she was very helpful on the phone, very sympathetic. She told uh, my husband to go get Depends for me because the bleeding was so heavy, I couldn't put a pad on and go anywhere. I was stuck on the toilet. Um, I would have bled through any pants I put on immediately at this point. Um, and I was scared and I knew 
we needed to go to a hospital. Um, I wasn't sure if I was going to die or not. Um, so I sent him out to get some Depends at the, at the drugstore. Um, and I had already told one of my best friends, um, who's actually training to become a nurse right now, about what was happening to me the night before, um, where we left off, it was kind of like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I don't have a good feeling about this. Um, I called her next while I was waiting for my husband to get back. Um, and she, you know, she was very supportive, very helpful. And I realized <laughs> that she had already purchased a plane ticket. She lives up in the North Cal, in the NorCal area, um, and I'm down in Southern California. She had already purchased a plane ticket to come down and be with me before she even knew I was miscarrying for sure, um, which I can't even get into how incredibly touching that was. Um, she just wanted to be with me. And so, you know, I told her what happened and um, that we were gonna go to the hospital again to make sure that I was okay. Um, but like it had already happened. Um, so my husband got home, I put on the beautiful defense. It actually made me feel so much better knowing I wasn't gonna bleed out in my pants at this point. So we went to, I actually called the nurse line again. That morning was able to get a hold of someone right away. Um, she's like, don't go to urgent care go to the emergency room. Urgent care is not going to be able to give you an ultrasound, that kind of thing. Um, and she actually recommended going to a different urgent care, which I am eternally grateful that she did because the one we went to the night before was the closest one to our house. And it wasn't a very good experience. It wasn't a very clean, <laughs> organized emergency room. We ended up driving an extra 10 minutes to go to a second one. Um, and I'm very glad that we did, um, because it was a much better experience. So we got to the, the, uh, the new emergency room, new staff, um, I was checking in and my husband was parking the car. He had dropped me off at the front. And I remember the nurses were asking me like, what's wrong? Like, why are you here? And I just burst into tears. And I said, I just lost my baby. I miscarried. And they immediately like sprung into action and got me like seen right away. Um, they were so sweet. They're just like, I'm so sorry, honey. And I was just standing there crying in front of all these people. It was, it was horrible. Um, and when I finally got into the room where the the gal was like weighing me, taking my blood pressure and checking me in. Um, she was so sweet. I was sitting there and I'm like, I, I just lost my baby. I just lost my baby. And she's like, honey, it is not your fault. And she put her hand on my shoulder and she's like, it's not your fault unless you were doing meth, but you don't look like a meth head. So it is not your fault. <laughs> and to this day, I'm so grateful for her. She made me laugh. Um, Apparently, I don't look like a meth head, so that's great news. Um, but yeah, she, the, the nurses were just so kind there and so understanding. 
um, they've, they got me into a room really quickly and into a bed. Um, at this point, I was passing so many clots. I just kept going up to go to the bathroom um, in between them, you know, taking my blood and checking everything. Um, not a lot happened that day. Um, they're like, are you sure you miscarried? I'm like, absolutely <laughs> sure of what happened. Um, you know, I saw everything. I knew there was no baby left in there. I knew it was just blood and pieces of, you know, everything my body had collected the last nine weeks um, being passed. I was passing clots that were the size of like small lemons. Um, I kept asking like, am I gonna die? Am I gonna die? And they're like, no, you're not gonna die. Um, your body is very efficient. It's taking care of this the way that it should, um, which didn't make me feel any better. But it was good to know that things were passing so quickly. They explained that if my body didn't get rid of everything, I could get an infection. Um, uh, they came in, they gave me an ultrasound in my room, the ultrasound tech, he was amazing, he was so kind. Um, and he confirmed that there was no baby left. Um, and there was still a lot of material that needed to be passed. Um, and that, you know, the plan was they were gonna send me home and just to kind of monitor the bleeding and my body would continue to do what it was doing and clean itself out. Um, before they sent me home, I told them that this was extremely painful and I needed to be prescribed a painkiller. And they're like, really? Like, you can't just take ibuprofen? And th at this point, like, I couldn't talk through the contractions that were happening um, as my uterus was contracting to get everything out. And I said, this is not like a period. I need you to give me something. I'm not going to be able to sleep. Like, I can't, I can barely walk. Um, and so they prescribed me Norco. They would have not done that <laughs> unless I told them basically, like, to prescribe me something. Um, and that was really helpful over the next few days. Um, so after we left the second emergency room, we went to go pick up my one of my best friends at the airport. And this was a Saturday. And we spent the rest of the day just crying and loafing around on the couch, watching Netflix. Um, that night, I had a glass of wine. And that was a very bizarre experience. It felt really wrong to be having a glass of wine um, when I should have been pregnant. But it was nice to relax and to do something for me. Um, and the painkillers really helped. Um, if I didn't take them back to back, the pain was excruciating. And I was in a significant amount of pain for three days. Um, as the majority of the clots were passing. Um, yeah, sorry, that was, it's a little hard to, to talk about all that. Um, I took Monday off from work and I was very stressed out about it because my supervisor 
at my job, she, her first day back from maternity leave was that Monday I was miscarrying. Um, and I was like, she's not going to believe me. Like, I'm going to call out sick on her first day back. And I'm kind of her right-hand woman at work um, and was holding down the fort while she was on maternity leave. So I had to text her that Monday morning, let her know, like, hey, I'm sick. Can't come in today. Um, I'm really sorry. I know it's your first day back. She kind of joked a little bit, like, you can't be sick on my first day back. And I don't know. <laughs> it just... It made me feel worse, even though she was trying to be lighthearted about it. And she would never, you know, say or do anything to make me feel worse if she knew what was happening. Um, but I did go back to work on Tuesday, which was incredibly too soon. Um, unfortunately, we had like a big work meeting that day, um, like on site and I was around a bunch of people and I had to come into the hall and pretend like my world hadn't just been shattered. Um, the depression after the miscarriage was real. Um, postpartum depression is real. <laughs> um, and I wasn't pregnant for nine months. I was pregnant for nine weeks. Uh, it was very intense. The hormonal crash was very physical. Um, I was grieving, so I was dealing with the physical and the emotional. Um, yeah, that was a really hard week. Um, I was not myself, obviously. Um, people just kind of chalked it up to I was sick on Monday, wasn't probably feeling good still. No one really asked any questions. Um, my family and friends were really supportive. Um, we didn't tell a ton of people. I don't have a large family and neither does my husband. But having to make those phone calls was horrific to let them know we lost the baby. Um, it wasn't like a lot to say, but some of the responses we got were everyone meant well, but they were not helpful as I'm sure everyone listening to this knows. <laughs> you get told some pretty horrific things. Um, people mean well, they don't understand unless they've been through it. Um, some of the most horrible things people told me were people who had been through miscarriages um, a long time ago, but it was very hard, but we felt a very overwhelming sense of support and love and people would come by and drop us off gifts and food and were so helpful. Um, but some of the things people would say were haunting and to this day, I have not forgotten. Um, and it's funny, I in this time I found the, the uh, Life After Miscarriage podcast. Um, one day at work when I was just needed something to listen to. And the first episode I listened to was what not to say to someone who had a miscarriage. <laughs> and I had heard almost every single one that Shelly was explaining not to say to someone and why. And it made sense at that point, like, 
why those things made me feel so bad. Um, when it was happening, I didn't realize why they should be making me feel so bad, <laughs> but they did. Um, it's okay. People, they mean well. Um, yeah, I was just handling the, the hormonal crash at that time, very depressed. Um, I was getting really concerned about work um, because I was in there pretending every day that nothing was wrong. Um, I really thought about it for a long time, but I ended up pulling my supervisor into a room, the, uh, the lady who had just come back from maternity leave. And I just sat her down and I was like, hey, um, I know you just came back from leave. I want you to know that I am not in a good place right now and this is why. And I explained to her about my pregnancy and about the miscarriage. I told her everything that happened in the hospital. Um, and when I was over and done telling her my story, she sat and listened to the whole thing. Um, she was so supportive and then she kind of paused and said, well, let me tell you my story. And she told me about the baby that her and her husband lost before she was pregnant with um, her daughter. Uh, and just, I would have never known <laughs> in a million years that she had gone through that, a loss too, and lost a child. Um, so she understood. And throughout all of this, she has been one of my biggest advocates and supporters. And I'm so grateful that I told her that day what had happened. Um, she understood. She's like, if you need to take any time off, I understand. Um, I think for a while I took, I took a day off here and there just to grieve. Um, I'm not the type of person to take time off. <laughs> So it was really hard for me to do that, but I know I needed to take time and to completely feel what I was going through because I've been through enough grief in my life to understand that the more you run from it, the stronger it gets. So I made sure to take a lot of time, took time every day to think about my baby, to cry, to mourn that loss. Um, or else it was going to eat me alive. Um, and during that time, I decided to go to therapy. Um, I can't, you know, suggest talk therapy more than, than I do. It's fantastic. Um, I've struggled with anxiety and depression my whole life. Um, I've been in and out of therapy for a really long time over many different things, but it was really helpful to talk to someone um, and to talk to them about what I was going through and them giving me some suggestions on how to move forward um, and to work through my grief and my loss and the, and the physical trauma. Um, not only was I grieving my baby, I was grieving my body for not doing what I thought it needed to do in that situation. 
um, and then just the trauma because I saw everything. It was very visceral, very natural, very intense situation that my body went through trying to like heal from that. Um, there's a lot. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm probably rambling on a little bit. Um, I, during that time, I even forgot my mom's birthday. I believe it was like a week after my miscarriage. <laughs> I was, a, I was a mess, um, in those couple weeks following. I couldn't really think, I couldn't really sleep, I couldn't really eat. Um, when I found out, I realized I'd forgotten my mom's birthday, I just burst into tears. Of course, she was very understanding. Um, everyone was very understanding. Um, I found the podcast during that time, which was incredibly helpful. Because up to that point, I didn't really know anyone that had a miscarriage recently because I'm the first of my friend group to really begin to start a family. Um, there's not a lot of kids like in my family. Um, no one really shared with me that they had gone through this. So being able to listen to all the lovely ladies stories um, made me feel a lot less alone and realize like what I went through pretty common um, and gave me some tools to help cope through what I was going through. Um, and I, a lot of people talk about their husbands and my husband was very supportive during this time. Um, he was completely like did not leave my side. Um, was very concerned that I was okay. He was also very traumatized by the loss of our baby. Um, we grieved differently in the weeks following. I was still a mess, but he didn't cry as much. So we really had to sit down and talk like, are you upset? Are you upset? And he'd be like, yes, I am very upset. I'm just not crying. Um, and we would talk about our baby a lot. And we had decided that we weren't going to wait before trying again right away, but we weren't going to like completely jump into trying as aggressively as we were um, when I got pregnant. And this was about in February. I miscarried on January 25th. Um, I was in February at this point. And it took me about, I want to say two weeks to stop bleeding. Um, they gave me the whole talk about, you know, don't have sex until you're, you're not bleeding anymore. Don't put anything in there. We don't want you to get an infection, yada, yada. Um, during this time, they were, I was coming in for weekly blood draws for my HCG to make sure that it was going down to zero, um, which I think, I'm pretty sure is, pretty standard care after a miscarriage, maybe not, um, but that's what they did with me. And they explained that they wanted to make sure that everything went to zero and that would also indicate that everything had come out. Um, so I was in that process, which was very hard to go in every week to the clinic and have my blood taken. Um, 
I just wanted things to be over. I wanted to move on. I wanted to heal. Um, and also during that time, I had seen my psychic that I go to um, a couple times a year. Uh, I don't always take, you know, everything psychics or mystics or spiritual, all of that stuff very seriously all the time. I'm very skeptical, but this particular medium, she's a medium, not necessarily a psychic. Um, she's both, but she has told me things in the past when I was going through some pretty intense, like family losses and um, things that there's absolutely no way she could have just by coincidence known exact phrases of things to tell me um, that people had told me before. Uh, no way she could have picked anything up on social media. Plus I'm very private. I don't post a lot. Um, so, you know, I pretty, I trust her. I went to her thinking like, you know, maybe there, there was something that she could say to kind of help me heal or information that I didn't already know. And at this point, I had a really strong feeling that, um, that my baby was going to come back to me. Uh, not necessarily the baby itself, but that soul. Um, and I know it sounds a little kooky, but I've always felt like this person, this soul, this entity has been with me for a while and they've always been planning to come through um, as my baby. And um, she had told me in readings long, long, long time ago, before we even started trying, that you're going to have two kids and they're here with me right now and you better be careful because they're going to come through to you right away. <laughs> so be careful until you're ready to have kids and um, all of these things. So she had already picked up that we wanted to have two kids for a long time. And um, I went to her after the miscarriage at some point and um, she's like, well, what's going on with the whole baby thing? Um, like, are you pregnant? Like what's, what's happening? I keep picking up on this. Um, and I eventually told her that I had a miscarriage and she's like, your baby is here. And they're telling me, mom, stop crying. <laughs> I will be back really soon. Sorry. I just got chills saying that. Um, and she kind of explained that they wanted to, to let me know that, um, they're going to come back and that they just wanted to come back with a stronger body. And um, so uh, that made me feel better. I kind of had a feeling that for whatever reason, um, this baby just needed, um, you know, something might've physically been wrong, but we would have never known. We were a week out from getting our genetic testing. Um, so there was no way for us to find out what had actually happened. We didn't know if it was the subchorionic bleed. We didn't know if it was genetic. Um, it all happened so fast. It felt like it was related to the bleed. Um, but again, we will never know. Um, during this time, I had seen my doctor for the first time at my OB. 
first appointment we had met a nurse. Um, and, you know, it was a hard appointment to have. I asked her a lot of questions. She didn't have a lot of answers for me. She explained that they don't start running any tests until you've had two miscarriages. I looked her in the eye and I said, isn't one enough? And she's like, okay. And she's like, I'm going to order the blood tests for you. Um, I was incredibly grateful. I didn't have to push it much further than that, but I'm so incredibly glad I advocated for myself. Um, she didn't have to do that. She could have been like, nope, you need to have another, just keep trying, blah, 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 which is I'm sure what we've all heard, <laughs> um, which is not helpful. Um, so she ran my blood and they found that I already knew I had factor five Leiden blood protein. Um, I found that out because my mom had blood clots after her back surgery when I was growing up. She had me and my sister tested. I had it. My sister didn't. Um, I was already aware of that, but just having that wasn't enough for my doctors to be concerned. Um, but when they ran my full blood panel, they found out that I also had factor two blood deficiency. So I believe those combined is very rare, <laughs> of course. Um, and she explained to me, she's like, well, the next, when you're pregnant again, you will have to give yourself a shot of Lovenox, which is a blood thinner in your stomach every day. And I remember she called me while I was driving to work. And I was like, are you kidding me? Um, needles are my number one <laughs> thing that freaks me out. Not spiders, not snakes, not anything else. Needles is my thing. So I was terrified. <laughs> um, and when I met with my OB, she suggested like, hey, um, don't get pregnant again until like give it, let's give it like three months. I was thinking she was going to say one cycle. At this point, I had not had my period yet. Um, three months seemed like a lot to me. And <laughs> I actually looked at her and I was like, well, there is a possibility that I may be pregnant again. And she's like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> and uh, I kind of told her like, hey, I'm pretty sure we did some, we did stuff um, while I was ovulating. Um, by that time, I had known my body pretty well when I was ovulating um, their signs. And even though I didn't have a period or know when my next one was coming, I was pretty sure I was ovulating the one time we had sex after the miscarriage. Um, and we had waited till I'd stopped bleeding, um, waited till I felt ready and good. And um, I remember before we did anything, and I remember the exact day as well, <laughs> um, I asked my husband, I was like, well, before we do this, just so you know, I'm pretty sure I'm ovulating right now. Like, are you okay with us possibly getting pregnant? But I don't think it's going to happen. And he's like, yeah, let's go for it. And so 
you know, we did our thing. And this was before the OB appointment and uh, told my OB, hey, like there could be a chance, um, but I don't really think so. She's like, okay, well, if you are, we'll handle it. We'd like you to have a cycle in between, but no big deal. Um, and at this point, they were still checking my blood levels and they weren't to zero yet. Um, she's like, well, the, the problem is, is if you are pregnant and your levels start rising again, your HCG levels, it means you're either pregnant um, because after you have a miscarriage, you still have a positive pregnancy test until that level hits zero. Um, she's like, either you're going to be pregnant or <laughs> you're going to have this growth in your uterus that could be cancerous and tumorous. I'm like, okay, not stressful at all. Um, so they still monitored my levels. I was getting my blood drawn once or twice a week. Um, and at some point my levels started to rise and I was like, oh crap. <laughs> so either I'm pregnant or I have some tumor, she explained. Um, but I ended up being pregnant again. Um, I had no, no cycle in between. It was an intense hormonal roller coaster ride. And now I understand why OBs will recommend you taking a cycle or two break because it was very stressful not knowing what was going on with my body if I was pregnant or something was wrong. Um, the numbers started climbing again and I could feel it immediately in my mood, in my hormones. Um, there was this overwhelming sense of positivity that came over me um, as my hormones started to shoot back up because um, at that point I was in a, a spiral. It was a crash. Um, I was in, you know, postpartum hormone whole situation. Um, and I could feel the levels rising again. Um, started to feel a little better before the nausea and the fatigue and the whole first trimester, all of that set in. I was very happy that I was pregnant again. I was also absolutely terrified, as I'm sure anyone who's gone through this can relate to. Um, I felt almost guilty um, that I, because I wasn't finished grieving my baby to be pregnant again, but at the same time, it gave me a lot of hope um, that there wasn't something wrong with me and we had a chance to um, you know, try this again so quickly. Uh, now, um, I knew I was pregnant and about three weeks later, the pandemic really became an issue here. Um, I'm out in California, so we got hit early and fast with all of this. Um, I've been working from home since March 13th. <laughs> um, it's been a roller coaster ride. Um, I got an earlier appointment for this pregnancy. Um, it was at six weeks instead of eight. Um, they wanted to confirm that I was pregnant because I didn't have a cycle in between and never got that positive pregnancy test. Um, everything looked great. They actually saw the heartbeat at six weeks, which they did warn me like, hey, there's a possibility it could be too early. Um, I got my new due date, which is November 8th. 
um, which is actually a couple weeks <laughs> from when I'm recording this, um, I was considered high risk pregnancy because of my two blood gifts that I was genetically <laughs> given. Um, I did start the Lovenox. Uh, that was and continues to this day to be uh, not a very fun part of my pregnancy. Um, I also have an irregular heartbeat that I was born with that I actually had surgery on back in 2018, um, which puts me in a high risk category for pregnancy. Um, nothing I could control. Um, I know that this heartbeat that I was born with is not fatal. Um, that's why I had the surgery performed, but they weren't able to correct it. So I essentially live with heart palpitations that are very normal for me that I've experienced my whole life. Um, and heart palpitations are a symptom of pregnancy that a lot of women deal with. Um, so I just know that I'm going to be okay and they happen and they're a little scary, but no big deal. My doctors aren't super concerned about it. Um, but, um, so I had a lot of extra, um, appointments because I was considered high risk and I was on blood thinners. Uh, I had growth scans every month, a lot of meetings with high risk doctors. Um, and so my pregnancy wasn't necessarily boring. <laughs> um, about 10 weeks along, I had was in the kitchen and I had a gush of blood come out, um, which of course sent me into a panic. Uh, anytime there's bleeding in pregnancy, um, from my experience and from what I've heard, it is not a good thing. Um, at this point, the pandemic was in full swing. Um, I believe it was in April. And my clinic was closed. So I was ending up going to a clinic that was an extra 30 minutes away. Um, I called and they got me an appointment that day um, to come in because I had that gush of blood. Um, I let my supervisor know over Zoom, <laughs> Slack, email, um, because at this point I hadn't been in the office. I had been working from home. I told her, hey, like, I don't want to have to tell you this way, but I'm pregnant again. And this is a pregnancy that has not been boring. Um, and I have to go to the doctor right now. And there's a chance that I might not be back online. Um, because at this point, I was thinking the worst, like I might have to have a DNC. Um, I just had no idea what was happening. Um, with this blood. Um, it only gushed once and I only bled for about 15 minutes and then it just stopped. Um, we were on our way to the clinic, get there, we get an ultrasound, baby is looking fine. Um, she explained she couldn't find where the bleed was coming from, which was a really good sign. Um, and then she told me a story about when she was pregnant with her twin boys, 
she had a really similar experience about the same gestational age that I was where she had a bleed. She thought it was all over and her sons were 30, you know, this year. Um, she's like, sometimes it happens. Sometimes we don't know why, um, but just, you know, go home. And I got the Rogam shot again. <laughs> um, just go home and monitor it and let us know if you keep bleeding at all. Um, I was cramping too. And she explained that doesn't necessarily mean you're having a miscarriage. Um, that anytime there's blood in your uterus, it's very irritating. Um, so, uh, you know, that was comforting to hear. Um, but yeah, I never bled again. Um, the next big thing in my pregnancy was, uh, I had my anatomy scan around 18 weeks. Um, this was over at the high-risk doctor, and um, everything looked great. Baby was great. Um, but afterwards, my high-risk doctor, um, you know, let us know the baby was healthy. We didn't see anything that looked abnormal. Um, but because I am so high-risk, uh, I'm gonna need extra monitoring throughout my pregnancy. I'm gonna need extra monitoring while I give birth. And that she highly recommends me being induced at 39 weeks um, because of the blood thinners that I'm on. And that really was hard for me to swallow because I wanted to have the birth center birth. I wanted to let baby come when baby was ready. Um, you know, it, it went against what I kind of felt I wanted in birth and what I believed about my body. Um, so there was definitely a period where I was grieving that. Um, at that point, I'd already gotten a doula. Um, and for people who don't know what a doula is, a doula is essentially someone who in birth and in postpartum takes care of the mom um, and can help uh, advocate for the mom in the hospital or the birth, um, wherever it ends up happening. Um, and just kind of like helping give comfort measures that aren't medication. Um, and I talked it over with her quite a bit. I ended up getting a doula pretty early <laughs> on in the process, um, which she was incredibly helpful because my anxiety was through the roof, um, being pregnant after a loss um, with not much time in between. Not that that makes any difference, but um, it was a very intense situation. Um, so she was very helpful. She would explain a lot to me. Um, explain to her, you know, what the high-risk doctor had to say, and um, it made complete sense. I had to be induced, have to be induced, because I'm on blood thinners, and like birth is a very bleedy experience, <laughs> um, and so they needed to time when I had my last dose to when I got pregnant, or when I gave birth, um, just to protect me, to protect the baby, um, 
you know, oh, I forgot this part. Um, we did get genetic testing with this baby. Um, about 10 weeks along, we got it done. Um, the nurse tried to talk me out of it. Um, she knew I had a miscarriage, one of the nurses at this clinic that was open during COVID saying like, oh, you know, well, just because you had a miscarriage doesn't mean you need to get this done. And are you just getting this done to find out the, the gender and all of that? And I'm like, no, I would like to get the genetic testing done. We were planning on doing it with our first um, and never made it that far, um, which was a little bizarre. She was trying to talk me out of it. I think where she was coming from was a lot of people didn't understand the weight of what happens if you get a bad genetic test result um, and the stress and like the decision you have to make or not have to make at that point. Um, I explained to her, I'm not getting this done just to find out the sex of the baby. I'm doing this to find out if my baby is healthy. Um, and we got our result back for that. Everything was healthy. Um, we found out we we're having a little boy. Um, I'm still over the moon that I'm going to have a son. I've always wanted to be a boy mom. I don't know why. Um, ever since I was a teenager and I imagined myself having kids, I always wanted a little boy. Um, very happy, more happy that he was healthy, no genetic issues. Um, that the the test picked up. There's, you know, it doesn't screen, it doesn't screen for everything. Um, after my anatomy scan and we found out everything looked good and everything was healthy, I um, began telling everyone left who didn't know I was pregnant. Um, I told my immediate family and my very close friends that I was pregnant, but that was about it. Um, kept it a lot more quiet because of the loss and I wasn't ready to tell everyone um, just because of how fresh and raw everything was. Um, I ended up telling my work over Zoom that I was pregnant in a meeting um, because I hadn't seen anyone face to face since March and that was nerve-wracking. Um, Zoom gives me extreme anxiety <laughs> to begin with, um, which you could probably pick up in the beginning of my recording that I was very nervous in the beginning talking over Zoom. Um, it was to the point where some coworkers reached out to me after and were like, are you okay? Was this baby like wanted? Because I gave off the vibe that I was scared. Um, and I just explained like, I'm just super nervous. I don't like talking over Zoom. Um, but not many people knew the real reason I was so nervous to tell everyone was because I already had a loss. And at 18 weeks after everything looking great, I was still terrified that something was going to go wrong and I wasn't going to be able to keep my baby. Um, I don't think I became less anxious and confident in the pregnancy until I started having non-stress tests twice a week. Um, when I began to feel the baby move every day, that was very helpful. But even then it was like, did the baby move enough? Um, Cause every day is a little different. And 
I have an anterior placenta, meaning that my placenta attached to the front of my stomach um, instead of the back or the side. And I feel less movements just because I have my guts on the front. <laughs> um, so that's, you know, been a little challenging, but luckily baby, he's a very strong kicker and I can still feel him <laughs> just fine. But um, that also didn't help after a loss. Um, it's really hard going to doctor's appointments alone, especially those early ones um, where you just don't know if baby is okay, you're not feeling baby yet um, in the first trimester. So going to those appointments without my husband was horrific. Um, it seemed almost cruel for them to have to do that, but I do understand um, the rules in the pandemic and that's very serious. Um, but overall, it's been a really tough pregnancy um, being pregnant after a loss and without as much support as I would have gotten in a regular year, um, you know, not seeing family and friends, as much as normal, um, being isolated, working from home, being lonely. Uh, it's been tough. Uh, my doula is still not allowed to come with me for my birth. Um, we're going to have to have her come in remotely, like on FaceTime or over the phone to help advocate for me. Um, but like, it's been tough, but um, we're still incredibly happy and excited. Um, I'm actually 38 weeks pregnant today. <laughs> um, and I will be induced in nine days. So I wanted to get this recording in here before baby boy makes his debut and my life changes forever. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really wanted to tell my story. Um, and make sure I gave back to the community. Um, this is pretty nerve wracking to tell my story as I'm sure <laughs> uh, all of the ladies who came before me have experienced, but I wanted to make sure um, I told my story. Uh, it's a little different. There's a lot um, I've got going on medically. I'm hoping someone can relate to this. Um, I, I know on the podcast, some people have talked about having their blood clotting and blood thinners a little bit, but um, I always figure it's helpful for people to hear about it um, if they're going through it and know that they're not alone. Um, it makes things more complicated, but it's all, um, it's all worth it and it's all handleable and doable. Um, so yeah, I'm currently in quarantine right now because... <laughs> my OB wanted me to quarantine the whole month of October um, before my birth, just so I didn't test positive in the hospital because um, you test positive in the hospital, it becomes pretty dramatic pretty quickly for you and baby. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, just having to jump, jump through extra hoops at this time. Um, but it's really nice to know that out of 2020, something so positive is happening. Um, and yeah, that's 
I mean, that's in a nutshell, my <laughs> crazy story. Oh my gosh. Nine days. And really yeah. like it could happen before that. <laughs> yeah. He could decide to um, make his debut at any point. Um, oh my gosh. So exciting. He stays put. Um, I wouldn't be mad. <laughs> um, yeah. Really excited to not be pregnant anymore. <laughs> yeah. yep pregnancy after loss is not fun no no and I know once he is here then I'm gonna have a whole new amount of things to worry about yeah never ends because um a piece of your heart lives outside of your body forever um yeah yeah very excited for him to be here very excited to meet him um he's been a long time coming and very wanted and very fought for um, he's a fighter for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. And so are you. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for feeling the pull to do this. And like you said, I love that you're like, and give back, you know, give back to the community that has I been a big part to. of your life. Yeah, yeah, I have to. I've listened to every single episode. Um, and I just love how different everyone's stories are. They're all like everyone has different things to say. I've learned so much um, Mm -hmm. just from everyone's stories. And uh, yeah, I I had to. um, My story isn't like the craziest, but it's not uneventful. (laughs) I don't think anybody's story can be uneventful if they're on this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's been special, but yeah. um, Yeah, it's... uh, you, since you've listened to every episode, you know what I'm about to ask you, right? Yes, I do. I do. Um, if you have one piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation, what would it be? Oh, man. I, I don't know if I can pick one. Um, I would say just allow yourself and understand that grief and joy can live together. Um, it hurts. It's really hard, but you can celebrate your, 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 all of your babies at the same time. Um, and that's okay. And you can be excited about a new baby coming into the world and also be grieving the one that you lost. Um, for a long time, I struggled with that. Like I shouldn't be happy, Um, because I feel like it's taking away from my first baby. Talk about your babies. Um, Shelly does this. (laughs) Um, I think we all need to talk about it. Um, It normalizes it, and it makes you feel like you're honoring that life. It's important. Um, You, you're a mom. You, you you had your baby, you lost your baby. It doesn't matter if it was five weeks. It doesn't matter if it was 20 weeks. Like, that's your child. Um, that was something I wish I would have figured out a little sooner. Um, and then, of course, everyone gives this, not everyone, but a lot of people give this piece. It's just advocate for yourself. If I hadn't advocated for myself, I wouldn't have known that I was at such a high risk of throwing a blood clot and I wouldn't have been on blood thinners in my life and my baby's life would have been in danger right now. Um, if you feel like you're not getting the care you need, if you feel like you need more information, speak up because you are your advocate and you are your baby's advocate. 
they can't speak. <laughs> so I guess that's just my two pieces of advice that I feel are the most important. Um, and yeah, that's, that's it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this and good luck with the next few days or next few weeks. Yeah. You'll have to keep me posted. Send me a picture when you get a chance. <laughs> um, no rush. I know you'll be busy, but <laughs> thank you so much, Allison, for doing this. Um, thank you. Yeah, we all appreciate it. And I'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you. Actually, wait one second. Oh. I forgot to ask if somebody wants to reach out to you. Um, is there Instagram. a way to do that? Instagram. Okay. Yeah. Send Perfect. me, send me a direct message. Um, I'd love to talk to anyone, uh, um, anyone who's going through some like the medical stuff I'm going through. I know that was really helpful hearing other people's stories. Um, or if you just want to talk, um, I'm here. I'm going to have a lot of time coming up here soon <laughs> to be answering messages. So yeah, reach out. Um, my handle is lacking ideas. It's very artsy fartsy, um, but I'm sure Shelly will link it. And uh, yes. yeah. Um, It'll be linked in the description of this episode, guys. So reach out to Allison if you feel the pull too. That's what this community is all about. So thank you so much, Allison, and good luck. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together. Thank you.